As I thought about this message, I couldn't come up with a title, so I called it a working title. Uh, you, don't, you don't get it. All right. I'm going to talk about working today. So it's a working title, and I've been, been spending three or four weeks now on, on a day of rest and sabbatical. So since this is Labor Day, I want to balance those by also talking about work, because if, if we're not careful, we'll think work is bad and Sabbath is good, but God said it's all good. God said six days are good, one day is holy. So there's nothing wrong with working. In fact, I think in our culture today, we've, we've kind of got messed up with that. So, so I, I, I want to talk about really, really just having a theology of work and understand, how, you know, how that works. So I titled this uh, a working title. I, I remember this old story. I probably shared it with you a few times about this, this man that bought this field. It was all run down. It was, it was empty. It was just full of weeds. He goes in there and he cleans it all up and he plants a beautiful garden. And here comes the preacher who didn't lift a hand to help him. And the preacher comes by and says, my, look what the Lord has done. And the farmer said, you should have seen it when he had it all by himself. <laughs> right? Should have seen it. So in other words, God, we, we know that God does great things, but God has chosen to work with us. That we have a part in this. Uh-huh. Uh, we... <clears throat> When God created the six days, he didn't say it is finished. He said it is good. And then he gave Adam a job description and put him to work. Because what God started is not finished, and we have a job description that we need to be aware of. We, we understand the sixth day, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, the seventh day rather. Uh, the, the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's powerful. It's holy. We do really nothing on that day. But the other days are good and the other days are productive. And uh, one man said it like this, you need to work like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God. If you can keep that balance in your life, you know, don't, don't work to a degree where you get stressed because it's all on me. No, it's really not. But work as if it is, but then pray as if nothing will get done if God doesn't do it. And if you could balance those two in your life, I think you'll understand the six days and the seventh day. But we've kind of got work messed up because we have a Greek mentality of work. Oh, those Greeks. They really influenced us. Aristotle, you ever hear him? Aristotle said that the ability to live unemployed was the primary qualification for a genuinely worthwhile life. In other words, the goal is to quit working. <laughs> no, don't amen that. The goal is to get to the place where you don't have to do anything anymore. And that's a Greek mindset, 
but I'm not sure it's a biblical mindset. Now, I don't want to work you to, to death until your dying day, <laughs> but, but I'm here to tell you that you were made to work. I got no amens there. See, the Greeks believed that work was beneath them. This is really the beginning of slavery. <laughs> they just believed that people who had to work live a lesser life. And if you can get to the place where you can just dedicate yourself to intellectual pursuits and you don't have to clean your house and you don't have to change diapers and you don't have to deal with a crying baby. <laughs> Love that sound. Amen. And, and, and you don't have to dig any ditches and you don't have to wash any dishes and you don't have to do any of this. You can hire it all done and all you do is just sit back in your recliner with your remote and just have a good day. If that's your idea, that's a Greek idea, it is not a biblical idea. They believe there are the knowledge classes and then there's the service sector. There's the people who do nothing and everyone else who serves those who do nothing. Hmm. It's kind of like this philosophy we get now where let's take all the money from the rich and give it to the poor. Like Robin Hood, right? And, 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 and it's just like it's just a privilege to do nothing. I, I heard someone say the other day they wanted to start paying people for not working. I mean, if they don't want to work, we'll pay you. No, that's beyond welfare. That's not welfare. I don't know what to call that. All right, I don't want to get political on you. All right. It's just crazy stuff. But this was the beginning of, uh, uh, really, of slavery, that, that, that there are, listen, there are people that are lesser than other people. And nowadays we have this thing where people won't do certain jobs because it's beneath them. And, and we have a whole, I don't know how many, I don't know what percentage of the population is not happy with their job. I feel like I'm made for something greater. I feel like I should be doing something else. I'm not happy with this. I got, and they jump from job to job, and they never really do get happy because it's never enough. The biblical view of work is that all work is honorable. I'll wait on the amen because it's important. All work is is honorable from the so-called lowest job to the highest job if you didn't clean your house <laughs> there's going to be issues down the road hello roaches hello disease right hello husband i'm out of here or whatever it is there's 
all work is honorable. And if we understand that, then no matter what job you have, if, if it's, um, I, I, I was reading this story about a man that had spent 30 years in New York City as a doorman in front of a very wealthy, you know, well-to-do place. Everybody in that building was were, were millionaires. And he was just a lowly, you know, door. He just opened the door. He just ran to the car and opened it. He, he got your packages for you. But every morning he got up with a purpose and he said, I'm going to be the best doorman. This, you know, and for 30 years he was that. He knew everybody in the building. He cared for everybody in the building. And, and most people cared about him and his work was honorable and he did it well. The Bible says, do all things as unto the Lord. Amen. And if we can understand that all work is honorable and productive. I believe we would be a happier society. Is anybody understanding where I'm going with this? I think sometimes we just want, our goal is to make enough money to hire someone else to do the dirty work. We avoid work. We say, well, work was part of the curse. No, it wasn't. Adam was told, Adam got a job description before the fall. Now, after the fall, his work got harder because now there's weeds. And so, so we, we have more frustration. A curse has been added to it. It's harder to do work. We work by the sweat of our brow now. There's some anxiety and worry over some things, I suppose. That's part of the curse. You plant a beautiful garden and all these weeds come up. I love planting gardens. I hate pulling weeds. And you would understand that if you saw my garden now, because you can't see my garden. It's pretty much all weeds. <laughs> Never mind that. That's the curse. The weeds are the curse. But Jesus took the curse on him. Does it not say that the curse is going to be thorns? And did he not wear a crown of thorns on his head? Amen. I'm telling you, he's overcome the curse. And you can go to work every day and praise the Lord. You can go to work every day and experience the Lord on the job. You can go to work every day and be a missionary. You can go to work every day and be happy and be at peace and be calm because the work is the Lord's and the work is honorable. Can you give God praise? Amen. I'm telling you, that's the only way I got through six years of the United States Navy. I had to understand that it was the Lord's work. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. We, we have the, the understanding of this. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were, what? Finished. Finished. His part finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his, what? God works? Interesting. God works as smart as he is. He works. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. He didn't rest because he was tired. I mean, no, God doesn't get tired. He wasn't tired. It was just a day set aside as holy because God is not a taskmaster. God is not a slave driver. 
God says one day out of seven, you get to rest. Then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it, made it holy, because in it he rested from all his... How many times has it said he's worked now? Which God had created and made. Skip down to the next verse. Verse 15, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. I'm going to kind of surprise you with something. God gets his hands dirty. He formed you out of the dirt. So God, the God of all the universe, is making mud pies. Right? He, may, he puts his hands in the dirt and he makes a man. Number two, it said that he planted a garden. Didn't say he created a garden. It said he planted a garden. So now we got basically a ditch digger with the dirt and a gardener with his hands getting dirty. Come on. And what about Jesus? Jesus was a carpenter. Boy, we're covering all the bases now. So God has made work honorable because he works. Therefore, we work and we can be proud of our work and we can be happy with our work because he gave us a job description and if we'll do what God has called us to do, we'll be happy. But if we're always trying to get out of the job, it's no wonder we're not happy. Oh, come on now. This is too deep for some of you. How about John chapter 5, verse 17? When Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he, he, he says very clearly, but Jesus answered them, my father has been until now and I have been. We've been working. God's always up to something. And God doesn't have to work. He can just blink his eyes. <laughs> but he works. And Jesus works. It's an amazing thing. So God gives us a job description. He continues to work. He, he, he wants us to work. He said it's, it's good, not, not complete. So look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 from the message, and we see there uh, our job description. At the time, God made earth and heaven before any grasses or shrubs that sprouted from the ground. God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth, nor was there anyone around to work the ground. The earth was watered by underground springs. Stop there a minute. He's saying, I didn't send rain because rain would produce stuff, but there's no one there to harvest it. I wonder how many times God refuses to send blessings because there's no one there to, to steward the blessing. Sometimes I think God doesn't bless churches with, with, with a lot of growth because he wonders if they can handle it. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Well, preacher, get on, you know, step up. 
I'm just one sheep. I'm, I'm going to believe if we all would step up. By the way, how many of you uh, passed out at least one card this week? Let me see your hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're about running out, aren't you? Next week, we'll give you five more. Yeah, yeah. See, we, 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 we work, and God won't bless unless we're willing. He can do it. How many know God doesn't need us, but he's chosen to include us? He's chosen to bless us. Ah, oh, praise God. Amen. Is that? Okay, I got both verses there. But uh, notice, notice the, how many want to know who the first person was who got filled with the Spirit? Exodus, yeah. Exodus 31, verse 1. Do I have an interpretation? Wow. I think that's all five verses in one right there. <laughs> Can we try verse two? <laughs> Any luck there? Uh, well, fortunately, I can interpret. Amen. What? There we go. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse two, he did say something to Moses. I wonder if other pastors have these problems. I wonder. Yes, they do. See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. God knows your name, and he knows where you've come from. Oh, that'll preach. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. He's not a king. He's not a prophet. He's not a priest. Ha! He's not even a deacon. Watch this. To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to make in, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Wow. And indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of him, of the tribe of Dan. Dan's easy. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. The first person recorded being filled with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And by the way, there's that thing called the law of first mention. It's very important. The first mention of anyone being filled with the Holy Spirit is a guy who works with his hands. I, I brought this up here. David Wolf made this for me. It is just beautiful. Where's David? There he is. And you open this up. This, this was made from olive wood from the Holy Land. And it's a beautiful uh, pen case. And the pen itself is made from olive wood from the Holy Land. I hope they didn't cut the tree down that Jesus prayed at. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> they think one of those trees is 2,000 years old in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I saw it. I'm thinking, that had to be the tree Jesus was praying at. Oh, so cool. But this, this is beautiful. It has my name on it. And, and it's, it's made of, uh, of olive wood. But at one point, this was just an old tree just a branch on a tree. 
but now it's something beautiful. God has given us a job to do, to bring order out of chaos. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. Let's try it. Let's go there. And we see there our job description. God created human beings. He created them godlike. I like that. Uh, I think that's from the message. Instead of in the King James, what does it say? He created them in his image. In his image. He create so that means he created us godlike. Wow. Look at your neighbor. <laughs> that's just about a god right there next to you. That's you really ought not talk about them. You really ought not put them down. I see husbands and wives. I see husbands going, uh-huh. You need a treat. <laughs> uh, reflecting God's nature, he created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill earth. Take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, which is where some of our members are this morning. For every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. So, when he says, basically, when he says fill the earth, he's not just talking about having babies. He's talking about building a society in the Hebrew. When he, when he, when he says subdue uh, the planet, he's talking about cultivating the garden. I, I don't know, but I kind of feel like Adam was given a certain size garden, but he was called to expand the garden, to, to clear it out, to, to repop, to cultivate the planet and to create societies, to build cities, to, fill, to build communities and to expand out. Amen. When it, and then, it's, you know, take charge. It doesn't mean you can abuse animals. It doesn't mean you can abuse the environment. Come on now. He didn't give us the environment so we could abuse it. And I, th I think some of that's going on today. Oh, just, if it's the truth, say amen, just go ahead. <laughs> there is some of that going on. Whatever your opinion of climate change or whatever, but maybe that has, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it doesn't. But I think there are places that we're not treating the environment as we should. Just you throwing trash out your car window is not right. How about that? Amen. So he wants us to build a society. He wants us to cultivate the planet. He wants us to be responsible for life. He, he wants us to make something out of nothing almost. He, he wants us to take the resources that he's given us and be creative and, and mold things and make things and invent things uh, and work with our hands. That is a noble and honorable thing. Just as it is to be an intellectual and to be one of the elites and, and just work with your mind. <laughs> it's all work, right? Are you following what I'm saying? But listen, we work 
because he works. We are made in his image. So when we work, we're doing the very things that God does. Wow. Think about that tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning when you go into work. When you go into work, just thinking, I'm doing God's business. Even if you're the guy that sweeps the floor. I'm doing God's business here. Does that help anybody? I, I, how many believe we'd be happier if we looked at our work as honorable, whatever it might be? Promotion comes from the Lord. He may give you something else, but quit thinking that something else is always something better. It's not about being better. It's just about maybe, maybe something different. Maybe you move into more what your gifts and callings specifically call for. I think that's a promotion. But just getting to the place where you're working less, doing less, being more lazy does not mean it's a promotion. Oh. Jesus, help us. There's nothing wrong with retiring. Come on, old geezers. Where are you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Every time one of you guys retire, I think, yes, I'm going to have more help out here at the church. They work harder after retirement than they did before. What's that about? Wives, let my people go. <laughs> we got too many pharaohs in this church. <laughs> Here's something I want to wrap this up with. This is, this is really interesting. It, by the way, it's no wonder the devil hates us. We're made in his image. It's no wonder the devil gives, gives you such a hard time at work. Because you're doing God's work. And you're in his image. Oh, come on, saints. If you don't do anything but wash the dishes, it's, it's honorable. Taking out the trash. Oh, ha. Baptist uh, right there. It's honorable. Because if you don't take out the trash, a lot of consequences. Trash builds up and wife gets mad. I mean, there's consequences. In the Near East, they have a lot of statues. In America, we have uh, almost without every statue we have in America celebrates the past. Somebody in the past, and that's fine. But the Near East and in ancient history, especially, when they made a statue, it was a statue of someone who was currently in charge. Because they believed that when you made a statue of a person of the king, for instance, that meant that the king was in charge of that location. That somehow he exercised power through that statue. Maybe that's why the, the Ten Commandments say, thou shalt not make any graven images. Because there can be, there's nothing powerful exactly about the idol, it's the power behind the idol. How many remember when they pulled down Saddam Hussein's statue? 
You remember that? That's just, that, I think that moment is ingrained in everyone's head as they pulled that down. That was a statue of him as the current leader, dictator of, of Iraq. Amen. And they pulled that down symbolically saying, you're not in power anymore. You do not exercise authority over this country, over this city. And we're pulling down the statue. Ah, oh, come on, church. Hallelujah. They pulled it down. These, these were monuments to current authority because they were actually idols of, they represented the authority of the real person. And they believed that those statues actually had power. You say, now what does that have to do with what you're saying? We're made in his. <laughs> Come on, some of you got it. Some of you will get it about 3 p.m. after your nap. <laughs> We're made in his, in his image. It gives new meaning to the expression image bearers. We are little statues that walk around with the authority of God. No wonder the devil hates us. It's not just that we look like him. We're working like him. We, we carry his authority. We walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're working for him and in him and around him. That's why the devil fights us because we're little statues and the devil would love to take you down. And let me tell you this too. If he can get you dissatisfied and grumbling and complaining about every stupid thing you do at work, amen, not realizing, if he can get you unhappy with your job, I always wanting some other job. Come on, church. We need to go to work as image bearers of the Most High God and represent him in our factories, in our schools, in our businesses. We need to stand for Jesus. Someone give him a praise. Come on, give him a good praise if you're following me. Stand with me as the worship team comes. All we do is as unto the Lord. Work is honorable. Work, if it's digging a ditch, is godlike. He got his hands dirty. We are made in his image. He worked. He's working, so we work. Your little images, we are royalty. We rule. Jesus gave us authority. So I just quit this job and go into the ministry. Hey, hey, you're already in ministry. You represent him. You represent him at the restaurant you're not supposed to go to after I preach. You represent him at Walmart, at the dentist, at work, at the family reunion. Got to throw that one in on Labor Day. You represent him. You're not there to fuss. You're not there to judge. 
you're there to represent oh my god no wonder no one no wonder people no wonder people come against us but who do you think you are i'm just someone who loves you i don't know who you think i am i'm just here to represent jesus not just his judgment but i'm here to represent his love let's let's be the hands of god let's be the arms of god Let's be the power of God. Heal the sick. Make lives different. Change lives. That's what it's all about. That's the real work of God. And it can be done wherever you go and whatever you do. In God good. Your work makes something that God created into something valuable and useful. That's our God. Amen. And David said he'd make every one of you one if you'll just. You're going to be busy. Father. Father. Your son was a carpenter for 30 years.